All right, welcome to Steeler Country. I am Tony Serino. Today we are doing a breakdown of the Steelers' defensive performance in their preseason game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Happy to have everyone here today. If you're watching live, thank you for joining live. If you're watching this after the fact, thank you as well. If you'd rather have this, if you're watching this live on YouTube, thank you. If you're not, if you're if you're listening to this on audio form, you can head over to YouTube uh, and check us out there, Steeler Country with Tony Serino. If you want to check this out in audio form, I'm also going to put this up as a podcast. So find it wherever you find podcasts. Search Steeler Country with Tony Serino. Uh, you can find me there. I know last week we had some technical difficulties uh, with the show um, as far as the, the microphone dropping in and out. I'm going to try and make sure that doesn't happen again. I think I have that figured out entirely this week. But if it does happen again, let me know in chat. I have a backup setup that we can go to. Uh, if this microphone is on its last leg, I need to get a new one, something like that. But... Regardless, let's get into this one. I'll start talking about this. Actually, okay, one more thing before we break down the defense, because I do want to mention this about this game. There were a couple players that I loved, 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 loved in this matchup that weren't Steelers. Uh, I thought Trevor Lawrence, I know that they, you know, they had some success. Both the Jaguars did. You know, they had they had a ton of long drives in this one, and that was both through the passing game and the running game. Uh, want to give a shout out to Trevor Lawrence. Holy cow, did he make some throws in this game? Kind of reminded you, like, oh, yeah, right. This guy was one of the most sought after number one overall picks in a while, right? You know, the tank for Trevor thing, how good this kid looked at Clemson for, for so many years. And then he comes out and, you know, he was a, I don't say it was a bust last year, it was a disappointment last year, but I thought he made some really big throws in this one, some wow throws, certainly. Um, and then Travis Etienne, his teammate at Clemson, I thought, you know, ETN was the guy who coming out was kind of this game breaker type. You thought about, okay, they can get him in space. You know, we know what he could do at Clemson and the, the game breaking speed that he had. Um, but I, I, the contact balance he showed in this one, I thought was also a plus. And he broke some tackles in this one that I wouldn't necessarily say were, were poor attempts on the Steelers part. part. I thought it was just good plays on, on ETN's part. So I wanted to call that out first before we kind of get into this breakdown. Overall, I, I'm, I think I have more positive things to say this week than not, certainly about the starting 11. I mean, I think there's some things on the back end of this roster we can get into. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the starting guys, got a lot of nice things to say. And if you if you saw the banner, if you, if you saw the uh, headline of today's show, yeah, we're going to start right there. Because you want to talk linebacker, so do I. I want to talk linebacker today. What a difference a week makes, doesn't it? <laughs> a week ago, all of us were kind of, oh, no. Devin Bush, Robert Spillane, one of these guys has to start. And this week, I thought both guys played well. I thought they were above the line playing play, players. Uh, especially, you don't know, start with Devin Bush. Yeah, as I said last week, here's a guy who's around the ball, just allergic to playmaking. And I was, you know, obviously very upset about that and the disappointment that it is that here we are, year five, he's never turned it around, or sorry, year four. And he, you know, he's, had, he's never become the player they drafted him to be. But you know, in in, re, in watching this game and kind of reassessing what he did against Seattle, Seattle, not saying he had a good game against Seattle, he did not. But the fact that he was around the ball so much in that game, you know, probably should have been more of a positive because I thought that that did play itself out in this game, where once again around the ball and made some plays in this one. Not the kind of game breaking, you know, mile the, the, the Miles Jack type plays or the plays you want to see from a tenth overall pick. But the best thing to say about about Devin Bush in this game is that he was solid, right? He was. This was the kind of player who you'd be happy if you get that performance every week alongside a, a guy like 
Miles Jack. No, Devin Bush is not a playmaker, right? And I think we need to probably reassess how we evaluate uh, Devin Bush, right? If you consider consider this, how do we assess Terrell Edmonds right now? Going back, and if we go back to 2017 when he was drafted, those first couple years of Edmonds, everyone really got on him. And it was because the expectations were set as the Steelers needed a playmaker at safety, and, and he was clearly not that guy. Um, but I think as, as Edmonds' career has gone on, I think we kind of understand who Edmonds is as a player. I think everyone now is kind of fine with, all right, he's not a great safety. He's not a playmaker. You're never going to put him up there as a top safety in this league. But he's a cog in the wheel, and he's not someone who you're going to really think about as, as a massive liability on this team. And, and for me, with Devin, not the Steelers have Miles Jack, if Devin could at least kind of level out this year, to a player who's not a huge liability, who can who can be around the football, who can who can make some things in the in the running game harder for opposing offenses. I think that's going to be okay for me. Again, in coverage, he can be around the ball and make some plays. Maybe not be you know you know a guy who's going to get a ton of pass breakups or, or big interceptions, that kind of thing. Um, but if he can just be solid, that that'll be what the Steelers need. And I think the worst thing you'll say about Devin Bush this week, well, the biggest problem for Devin, I should say is that the two guys behind him, and Robert Spillane and and Mark Robinson, arguably played even better than Devin did. Spillane, I I tweeted on, I tweeted during the game, I said, you know, the (laughs) Robert Spillane versus Devin Bush, whoever wins, we lose. I got a lot of flack for that because, of course, by the end of that, I think I tweeted in like the first quarter, maybe the first drive. And by the end of the game, of course, both guys had decent games. But, um, you know, the point there was like with Devin, we know, okay, we got this guy who's kind of allergic to playmaking. And in Spillane, you got this guy who you just know athletically. It's like, okay, with there's a whole bunch of things you don't want Robert Spillane doing as a middle linebacker because athletically he's not going to be able to do it. Um, you know, coming out of this game, like that tweet was probably really silly, certainly premature. You know, Spillane showed a, a nice veteran savvy in this game of kind of, as I talked about last week, right, his his feet betray his brain. I thought in this game his 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 brain helped his feet out a little bit. You know, every, the, there were so many times where in coverage, he was able to stay with, um, stay with the the receiver. Not well, okay, stay with the receiver. There's a box. If you drill a box on the field, right? We talk about the box. If you keep if you keep Roberts playing in that box, I think he's a he could be a really solid player. If you take Roberts playing out of that box, right? If you want him to be kind of the seam linebacker where he's kind of running with a tight end down the field, that's not where you want him. You don't want him kind of running sideline to sideline with a linebacker. But if you can kind of keep him in his zone coverage where it's, you know, where you're kind of limiting where he has to be on the field. And certainly, you know, in the running game, we we know what he can do there. You know, if they're going to run between the tackles, that is that is Roberts Belaine territory. That's where you want him at his best. That's where he's at his best. And I thought that's what that's what he did on Saturday night. I thought that, you know, he kind of, they kind of kept him in that box. You know, he 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 did a good job of staying free, uh, running to the ball and, and, and making plays. He had what? He led the team in tackles. Right? He, had, he had what? Six tackles. Um, well, okay. He had six tackles, but the better stat here is stops. Uh, he had four stops in this game, uh, which I think is a better stat. If you don't know what stops are, it's a, it's a stat, I believe created by a pro football focus. So I'm not, I I don't like, you know, tackles to me are kind of a silly stat because we lose all context. It's one of these, um, it's, it's one of these, these stats like total yards where, okay. You know, having a lot of tackles is probably not a bad thing because someone has to tackle a player. Just like getting a lot of yards is probably not a bad thing. 
but not all yards are created the same. And if I got, if I got 10 yards on third and 20, that's not as good as getting 10 yards on third and five, right? We can all agree on that. So there's, there's context that gets lost when we just talk about total yards. I think the same thing can be said about total tackles, total tackles to me. It's, it's somewhat of a meaningless that where did you make that tackle? Did you make that tackle, you know, five yards in the backfield or two yards into the play? Or did you make it 20 yards into the play? I think that that, that kind of stuff matters. And that's what stops attempts to measure. Um, so if you understand success rate, success rate being the way that we measure an offense and their ability to stay ahead of the chains, right? So ahead of the chains being, you know, you want to say, you know, first and 10 to, to second and five, third and second and five to third and one, third and one to first down, right? So we measure that by using success rate, which says, did you get at least 40% of the yards you needed on first down, 50% of the yards you needed on second down, and then 100% of the yards you needed on third down? If you did any of those things, that's a successful play, right? So we're doing it on a play-by-play basis. If it's first down, did you get 50, 40% of the yards you needed? On second down, did you get 50% of the yards you needed? Third down, did you get 100%? And so we can then use success rate on defense to measure kind of the effectiveness of a tackle. Because did the tackle result in an unsuccessful play? Therefore, what PFF calls a stop. So think about this now. Robert Spillane, who had six tackles, four of them, four of them were stops. I thought it was a it was a very good performance from Robert. And it certainly kind of heats up this battle again. Because last week, I thought Robert had such a poor game from an athleticism standpoint that it was almost like they're going to go with Devin by default. He's not a playmaker, but he's around the ball. So whatever. They'll just put him out there. But I thought... Spillane having a nice game like this certainly kind of re-energizes this battle as we get into this final preseason game against the Detroit Lions. But you had another player throw their hat in the ring. And no, it wasn't my boy, Buddy Johnson. I know I made a big deal last week. I thought Buddy could really turn a corner. And I thought, ah, you know, here's a guy who just felt, felt a little hesitant, but he's in the right place. If he just played with a little more aggression, I think he could, yeah, I think he could really pop. That player did exist. That player did have, it, that did happen at the linebacker position on Saturday. It wasn't Buddy Johnson. It was Mark Robinson. <laughs> Mark Robinson, the rookie out of Ole Miss. Holy cow. Look, the best thing I'll say about Mark Robinson is there's like a, a line you can draw in the tape. So you turn that tape back on from Saturday's game and rewatch it. There's kind of before Mark Robinson's on the field and after. Because once Mark Robinson gets on the field, you can't take your eyes off this kid. You talk about the game slowing down for him, playing with more aggression always around the football. You know, it's so fun that Vince Williams called him out on, on Twitter and said, you know, Mark is even better than me as a rookie. Cause I did, I did get a little Vince, Vince Williams vibes from Mark and just the way that he kind of flies and throws his body around out there. He himself had what three tackles, all of them stops, three tackles, all stops. And I thought he was very good in, in coverage as well. Something he struggled with a week ago, I, I still kind of worry maybe from a, just from a pure athleticism standpoint, if he's if he's really the kind of coverage linebacker you want. But again, you know, the, the Steelers are not kind of going to be picky choosy with linebackers at this point. They need consistency next to Miles Jack. Miles Jack is going to be their kind of their playmaker at linebacker. What they need is consistency alongside him. I don't know that Mark Robinson. I don't know Mark Robinson is actually in the battle. As people, as people ask, has, has this been a thing in, in the, any of the press conferences this week? I guess I haven't watched enough of Tomlin stuff this week. If people are asking about, hey, you know, what do you think about Mark? You know, do you consider Mark in a battle or anything like that? Because, as I said, throughout, throughout camp, he would have plays like this, right? There will be times throughout camp practice where you would say, yo, who was that? Oh, that was Mark Robinson, right? It does 
it did feel like that Saturday's performance was him kind of putting that all together. We talked about this with Kenny, you know, where he was he was kind of building good practice on good practice, and then it kind of came together in these preseason games. I think with Robinson, you certainly saw that. But I don't know if he's actually going to win the battle. But it's certainly it's it's a fun player to have on this roster and someone um, who you know as a rookie, you're hoping he can build on this. As far as the other linebackers on the team, Marcus Allen didn't play in this game whatsoever. Buddy Johnson, you know, kind of kind of same thing. Um, he was he was better than last week for sure, but he's at this point he's kind of lost in the shuffle at linebacker, um, and so. Yeah, so this was a this was good performances I thought from Spillane, Bush, Robinson. Oh, by the way, Miles Jack had a good game as well. I don't want to I don't want to sit here and say Miles Jack did not have a good game. He did, um, but I think the stars of the of the show were were uh, were Bush, Spillane, and Robinson. All right, move on here. We'll talk about safeties for a second because the other guy in this game that really stood out on tape, really popped throughout throughout pretty much the entire game was Terrell Edmonds. We talked about him a little earlier as being this guy who we, you know, I think we all kind of evaluated him on a, you know, kind of the, the wrong standard when he came out. Here's a guy who was once you know, in the run game, just kind of coming downhill at the ball. Tomlin always talks about wanting to dominate the line of scrimmage and, and how much that's an emphasis for this team this year, stopping the run. Uh, Terrell Edmonds took that to heart for sure. Uh, he made, you know, he himself had what, five tackles, four stops. He was all over the place in the running game. I think the only tackle he had that wasn't a stop probably should have been a stop, but I believe ETN, that was the one where ETN kind of eked out of the tackle, did a good job of, of kind of breaking free and, and getting some extra yards afterwards. Otherwise, I mean, Edmonds was, Edmonds was all over the place. And by the way, you know, he made, he had all those tackles and I think they were, all those tackles were in the box. But he didn't play box. It wasn't like he was just, you know, box safety the entire game. I believe he played 16 reps in the box and then 17 reps at free safety. And we've seen this over time with Edmonds as the Steelers feel more and more comfortable playing him as a deep safety, rotating Minka down into the box, or whether it was, you know, Edmonds and Casey playing together and rotating Casey down into the box and playing Edmonds as that deep safety. And I think, you know, when you consider what, what Casey did in this game, which was, you know, once again, I think – you know, he's so good as a downhill player. He's he's listed as a free safety, but the guy can play as a strong safety for sure. And now all of a sudden you're talking about a, a safety unit for the Steelers where you have Edmonds and you have Minka, but you we've talked about this. Like Casey's playing too well to just sit the bench and be like, well, if someone gets hurt, we'll put him in there. Um, and you saw this in the game. They had all three guys on the field at the same time. They moved Edmonds down into the box and they had Casey and Minka uh, as the two safeties on the play but real realistically as we get into the regular season if they're really going to use that package and and you know i don't want i don't want to make too much of this because potentially that was something we see in the preseason like the dollar defense and then it just goes bye-bye but you talk about the the kind of disguises and all that Talman wants to do and, and how much he loves players who have that position flexibility who can who can play all over the place well we know minka last year did such a good job in run defense became a real plus run defender because he was, you know, he had to as, as by necessity last year. He just turned himself into a plus run defender. So we know he can come down and play in the box. Of course he can. As can Edmonds, as can Casey. And now all of a sudden you have three players who you feel comfortable with them in any of those situations. And so you can kind of mix and match. You can you can have all three guys on the field and kind of and kind of move them around and, and let opposing offenses have to kind of guess as to who's got what responsibility 
on a play-to-play basis. That's the kind of thing that Tomlin and these defenses do so well. I think he, Tomlin's going to be very happy with what he saw at Edmonds because I think it's going to it's going to ease his um, ease some of the concerns I'm sure he has about the uh, the movement that he wants out of his safeties. The other safety here, uh, Trey Norwood. We talked a lot about him last week. I not 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 a not a great performance from Trey in this game. Um, but I think he's still going to be, you know, a big part of, of the Steelers dime defense. I don't think one performance like this is going to really set him back because he's had so many plus, uh, performances. You talk about the end of last season and now into what he did last week. This was, this certainly was a disappointment for him, but, but I don't think this kind of sets him back in any, in any sort of major way. Um, so, all right, that's where they are with safety. Um, oh, they did at safety. They cut Donovan Steiner and they signed Elijah Scott, which was an interesting play and potentially could be something to watch for when we get to the 53 because safety's a room. The four guys I talked about, I think are all, they're all making the roster. I would be shocked if any of the four guys I talked about, Minka, Edmonds, um, Casey and Norwood, I'd be shocked if any of those, any of those guys don't make the 53, but, but you also have Miles Killebrew, who's a core special teamer. Now they bring in this guy Elijah Scott, off you know, he's off of waivers. Watch, for, I think safety all of a sudden becomes a randomly just like oh, there's a 53 man uh, roster battle here on this. So watch for that as we get into this game against the Detroit Lions. All right, let's go over to uh, spend some time on the edge rusher real quick because we got to talk about Jannard Avery, who got cut this week. This was I was shocked, shocked to see that Jannard Avery got cut considering considering what he did on tape on Saturday I mean I just I could not wrap my head around how they could have watched that performance and they said nah that's one of the first guys to get cut my first thought was well maybe that's not what happened maybe it was some kind of injury that he got and they just you know they they knew he wasn't going to make it back in time for the regular season so okay well you know we'll, we'll cut you now and we'll move on here at edge rush because this third edge rusher is such a big part of the need of this defense. But that's not the case. The Bucks signed him like 48 hours later. So no injury concerns there, right? He's just right on the Tampa Bay roster. So in rewatching the all 22 of Avery, I think the reason why he got cut is be, it goes back to the idea of the, the, the emphasis that Mike Tomlin is putting on this team and being a quality run defense unit. It's almost like Tomlin it Tomlin cares far more this season. Far more about the run defense than he does the pass rush. Because if he cared anything about the pass rush, Jannard Avery was the best player on the field. I'm well, okay. TJ Watt was the best player on the field. Look, don't look, look, let me back up for one second. TJ Watt was only out there for like 12 plays. He had an amazing sack. Okay, TJ's the best player on the field. But right behind him, Jannard Avery. I mean, you know what? Jannard Avery had five pressures. In this game, I thought he did a great job of timing the rush. He's, he, you know, we know about his speed. We know about his burst off the line of scrimmage, but he made it so hard for those tackles in their backpedal to try and stay with him and not let him turn the corner, the bend that he has. And I just thought, okay, you can't cut a player that's that good. When you talk about behind that, we got Derek Tusco, we got what, Hamill Carver Shed, we got uh, Rondale Carter, Delonte Scott. What are the Steelers doing as, with their third edge rusher spot? If they don't have Jannard Avery, because where is the where is the pass rush going to come from? We've already got uh, Highsmith, who's out. He won't. He likely won't play until week one. He won't play in this game against Detroit, and he's hoping to come back 
in time for week one. So what is he going to do? And I think Mike Tomlin's thesis here is I can't have, I cannot have a player at edge rusher who, who cannot, who cannot contain the edge in run defense or, or, or allow quarterbacks to break contain, because that was another thing that I thought Avery did really poorly on Saturday. He was a negative in the run defense and he let Lawrence kind of get outside on multiple occasions. I think that ultimately, I, I do think that that's kind of what Tomlin saw on tape and said, no, I can't have this. I can't, we're not going to have another year of being one of the worst run defenses in the National Football League because we've got an edge rusher who who uh, who can't seal the edge, just can't have it. And so, you know, Avery's off this roster. And I think you look beyond that, though, it's not just Avery being bad. I thought Hamilcar Rashad was, was very good in run defense in this game. And Tuska, by the way, was... Now, Tuska gets all this bad rap now because he, he seems like he's going to be outside linebacker three or edge rusher number three, and I get it. Tuska, to, to me, on, on tape, is fine. He's a fine player. Uh, you know, he's not going to light the world on fire. Solid in run defense. I even think as a pass rusher, he has some juice. There's something there. Even if he's never, you know, he's never going to be an elite guy. He's never going to be a guy who's going to get you anywhere close to double digit. But he's, you know, he could be a nice fourth. There's probably still room on this roster for this. If the Steelers feel like they can get another edge when we get down to the 53-man cuts and someone gets cut, I think there's still a possibility they bring someone in. But I do think that this is, you know, if you're thinking the Steelers are going to go out and get another Melvin Ingram type where it's, you know, it's pass rush specialist. Well, I mean, I would I don't want to say Ingram was a bad run defender a year ago, but you know what I'm saying? Like if 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 the expectation that we have as fans is that the Steelers are going to go out and prioritize, okay, I need to get a pass rush specialist for those times when Watt or or Highsmith can't play. I think our expectations may be a little off on this one because that guy was Jannard Avery. That guy was clearly Jannard Avery. <laughs> I think they're, they're, they're prioritizing run defense here. And it's, it's certainly as we watch this game against, um, against the Lions coming up, I think that to me, that's kind of what I'm going to be watching more when it comes to these edge rushers and, and who's going to win this battle because Rondell Carter, Delonte Scott, I thought Scott had a much better game in this one. You know, we, we talked about it last week, you know, what a poor performance he put up against Seattle. I thought he was better in this one. And so, you know, I'm not going to rule out here that someone like a Delonte Scott or, or Rondell Carter could have a big game and, and, uh, and, and make their way onto the 53. But I, I'm not going to say that if they go out there and, and are a great pass rusher, but you know, open up big holes in the running game. Like that's, again, I, I, my mind is kind of shifting on, on how, um, how the Steelers are approaching this position. Let's go over to cornerback. Quarterback's an interesting spot. There was one player at corner who I was kind of shocked at how poor he played. I really like this guy. And I, I don't want to build too much out of this, but I thought Cam Sutton was really bad in this game. I thought Cam had a really, well, okay, it was really bad. I mean, okay, let's, I mean, the guy played like, you know, I don't know, 30 snaps or something like that. We'll say it a really bad game. But he had a, there was a couple moments where he just did not come out of his break well, you know, the, the, there were those couple plays where the corner ran or sorry, the, the receiver ran the out route. One, he just tripped coming out. And the other one, he was just really slow to, to, to turn the corner. Neither, by the way, neither play were completed. But, you know, again, this is preseason. Let's not be results oriented here. Right. The idea is the idea going back to the, you know, the kind of where, what, where this corner room sits today. Akilah Witherspoon is going to be an outside corner for this team. There's no doubt in my mind about that. There's nothing he's done in preseason that would tell me 
that he's going to have this kind of massive fall off from what he was a year ago, where he was a borderline shutdown guy for those six games to someone who can't play. Right. I mean, I think Witherspoon is, is certainly CB one on this team. And I think Levi Wallace has done enough. He, he I thought he was, I, I, you know, Levi Wallace might be my favorite corner on this roster to be quite honest with you. Cause I, I, I like his kind of savvy or, or, or feel for the, you know, feel for the play or feel for the ball, however you want to say it, right? Just kind of understanding the receiver and when he's going to make his breaks so that he can drive on the ball. I've talked about this a million times. Levi Wallace ran a 4-6-5-40 coming out of Bama. You think about how m- the modern NFL is with all the speed and everything we see at r- wide receiver these days. You think about a 4-6-5 corner. I mean, you know, a lot of teams would just say, we, that's, we just cannot put that guy on the field, period. Period, end of story. You run 4-6-5, it's just disqualifying at the position. But Levi's got that savvy to him where, again, I think he's he did a great job on this game of, of kind of wa- mirroring the receiver, watching him in, as he came out of his break and then driving on the football. Uh, love his game. I, I like I like Levi Wallace. I'm coming around on Levi Wallace a lot. I think yeah, he was a guy for me who throughout camp was like, all right, prove it to me that you can be a solid outside corner for this team. Now, all of a sudden, I think not only is he proving it, he's kind of winning me over as kind of a, a, a one of my favorites in this room. But go, going back to Sutton, they're going to they're going to want to move him inside in those uh nickel situations. Right? He'll play the he'll play in the slot. You know, in the slot, you know, your ability to move in short areas is a big part of being a slot defender. I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill here with Sutton. I thought this was not his, his best performance certainly. Um but we'll see. Yeah, again, I like I said, I don't want to build too much. I, I thought I thought he was he had a it was a minus game certainly for uh, for Cam, as I said, with with a kilo, CB one for me right now. I mean, there's nothing nothing happened in this game. Certainly, uh, was he even targeted in this game? I think. Oh, he was targeted on the long one. Um, they might they might have called him targeted on the one. It was just a design rollout, um, and a kilo was over there in coverage. But I mean, you know, this was not exactly them picking on a kilo by any stretch. The other interesting thing at corner, going to the kind of second tier, Justin Lane is playing behind Chris Steele at this point. Justin Lane seems like he's on his way out of this roster just completely. Uh, Steele got the second team reps alongside James Pierre. Steele had, you know, well, it's a, he, he got credit with a pass breakup. Now, I was that a pass breakup? I mean, it was just kind of a, a prayer ball from C.J. Beathard where Steele was in coverage. He did a good job playing the ball in the air. I'm not going to take that away from him. Um, but... It is it, the, the interesting part to me here is is Steele seems like a kind of player who's headed for the practice squad, and Lane seems like he's kind of player who's headed for nowhere. You know, James Pierre I thought was you know he was fine in this game, solid. Uh, you know, I think the the corner room at this point, five guys that we know are yeah. I, I just don't I don't see any other way around it. Maybe they keep six with Steele, but you got to kill. You got Levi. You got Cam. You got Mallette. Uh, and you got you got Pierre and the rest of the the rest of the group. I mean, like I said, maybe Steel works his way under the fifty three, but otherwise, I think that room is is maybe just a done deal. Um, and then we go over to the defensive line. Maybe a whole hum game for them. I like to see Alwala back out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I've, I've kind of gotten on him throughout this entire process of like, oh, they're going to put all this on a thirty five year old who's coming off of a season. And then, yeah, and that's true. I I still have question marks about his longevity this season and how long, yeah, or how 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 healthy he can stay, how many minutes he can give this team, how, or how many reps he can give this team, I should say. But he was good. I, I you know, the, the, he's kind of 
strength of the point of attack so to, to kind of stay in uh in his gap man he's he's a good one he is a good one it it, it was something where you know when you talk about how well the guys behind played this week devin and uh uh robinson and spillane i do okay <laughs> there is a part of it where you probably do have to draw a straight line between like Henry Mondo didn't get a lot of looks in this game and the linebackers played really well. You know, it's like, Oh, are those two things related? Yes. Uh, but I, I, I did. I, I like to see, um, like to see Alo Alo back out there. He's a good player, man. Even at 35 years of age, still, still got it. Still got it. Wormley. I thought had a much, much better game in this. I thought this was back to the Chris Wormley that we knew and loved. And again, this is this is the same kind of thing as I'll say about Cam Sutton, right? Where I don't want to make you know, Wormley had a bad game last week, but you don't want to make too much out of that because one preseason game does not erase everything we know about a player who's as who's had as long a career in Pittsburgh as Chris Wormley's had. Same thing with Cam Sutton. So Cam had a bad game in this one. Very easily he could bounce back, you know. And certainly as we get into the regular season, don't want to make too much out of that. Loved, you know, I, I liked what I saw out of Wormley. The the only D lineman that I think is going to make the team that I was disappointed in was Isaiah Loudermilk. And that's just because I was hoping that he would kind of build on what he did last week. Another guy who I, who I thought had real nice play strength at the point of attack um, was able to kind of bull rush and drive defenders into the backfield. Saw less of that this week, faced a little more double teams this week. And he was fine. Again, I'm not saying that he had a bad game. I was just, it was one of those things where I, I this is a guy who, you know, if you watch me on Locked On Steelers, me and Chris, uh, Chris Carter, we were starting a hype train over there. And the hype train was about to leave the station after what I saw last week. If he could build on that, didn't do that yet. But I, I still, um, I still, have, I still have hopes for Louder Milk as a, as another depth piece on this D line. And then there's Demarvin Leal. Yo, Demarvin Leal is going to be a good player in this league. It's just, it's just a question of how long does it take for him to kind of round out his full game. But I think I talked about this last week about him being a specialty pass rusher on that defensive line. Man, he, yeah, yes, yes, that is what he, yes, that's him, uh, for sure. I, I think in, in run defense, he's a, he's a bit of a liability. He's one of these guys who, you know, they just want to penetrate, right? They just, they just want to penetrate up the field, and at times that bites him in the ass um, because you look behind, it's like, oh, that was my gap shit. Oh, well, all right, that's on me. That's E1. Uh, and I thought we all had a, a couple too many of those in the run game, but as a, but as a pass rusher, this this kid's got some juice. This kid's got some juice as a pass rusher. I don't know how long it takes for him to really win over the coaching staff to want to put him out there. You know, let's say it's like a second and seven, second and eight situation. Do you want Leal on the field, considering that at this point I, I think he might be a little more, a little too much of a liability in the running game? Um, but you know, if it's if it's third and fifteen out there, and you know, and, and whatever Hayward needs a breather, Ogan Joby needs a breather. Like, yeah, give me Demarvin Leal. In those situations. Oh, and talking about Ogan Joby for a second, I, I'm I might need to apologize to Larry. Because I said last week, you know, let's not build him up as this kind of great run defender. And while I wouldn't say he was a great run defender in this game, I thought he made I thought he made some plays. I thought he made some plays in the running game that were that were fine. Uh I still don't think he's gonna be a great run defender, but he, he certainly I don't think he's gonna be as much of the the the, the negative that I thought. I he's he's still much like much like Leal, he has those plays where he wants to penetrate. So, oh, oh, well, that was me. Um, but 
yeah, I, I thought Ogunjobi was fine in the running game this week. It was certainly not a situation where, you know, like we saw last week, Henry Mondo comes out there and is like, oh, no, Henry Mondo, yikes. Um, there's no, there was no real yikes player on that defensive line. Again, I thought, I thought a lot of the big runs that came were mostly ETN just being a quality, you know, he, he was a, he was a quality back in this game. Uh, let's see, did I miss anyone? I think that's it. I think that's, I think I nailed everything I wanted to talk about today. Let me check my notes real quick. Um, might be a quick one today. So we, we'll check, check over in chat. See if anybody has any, if you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, or anything, let me know in, in chat. Uh, I'll do a little Q&A here, and then we'll wrap it up. Kenny says, why is Derek Watt still on the team? Well, easy. This is an easy one. This is a, this is a layup. He's a great special team player. Great. Oh, what did I do here? Hold on. I got to get rid of this banner before I can put these chats up. Technical difficulties again. Um, yeah, he's a great special teamer. He's a core special teamer. Now, now I'm not going to say it. I was going to say maybe he doesn't make the, the roster for – but it would only it would only if he doesn't make the roster it would only be for salary cap purposes because I think he's in the last year of his deal, and the Steelers could save a couple million bucks and they could roll that over into next year. But now, but now, uh, Jennifer says I don't th think Devin was bad that all that bad. His mouth makes it worse. This week, not bad at all. I would t if if Devin Bush could do what he did on Saturday for 17 games this week, I'd be completely fine with that. Are there, are there highlight plays? Are there plays that we're all thinking about right now? Like, oh, man, remember when Devin made that one play? No. In fact, I don't even know that any of us could go back and, like, think about exactly, like, you know, and, and describe one of Devin's great plays or good plays in this game. But he was just – I mean, it was fine. It was just solid, right? Same thing with Robert. Robert had a bunch of plays in this game where, you know, there was the one – well, the one that I, I'll, I'll give credit to Robert for because it, it is something he struggled with in the past. Is they, they were running the cross to Christian Kirk. And and that was his and it was it was Robert's uh, responsibility as as he came across to take that to take him on the crosser, and I thought you know what what Robert did there is he did a great job of recognizing oh the crosser's coming, and kind of getting a little bit of a you know a head start or however you want to put it to stay with him stride for stride so that it wasn't a situation where uh oh you know because again Robert can't Robert cannot get himself in a situation where you got a you got a crosser of a receiver coming across the field and he's late to the play. You know, guys like Devin Bush could probably make up for that because they have this athleticism. Robert doesn't have that. And so, um, yeah, again, if, I, I would I would take what I saw on, on Saturday from our, from this linebacking core all season long. It's about consistency at this point. This is one game, right? You know, much like you don't want to – look, we don't, we don't want – I was probably too negative a week ago about this linebacking core. I don't want to sit here today and say, well, it's all fixed, and we've got the greatest linebacking core in the AFC North, and I want to redo the rankings over there on AFC North Talk. You know, again, it was a bad performance a week ago. It was a good performance today. Let's find a happy medium and just, you know, figure this thing out in the long term. It's about consistency at this point. Oh, hopefully I didn't hopefully I didn't break the mic right there. I ended up punching it. Um, uh, Kenny says Devin needs to play fearless like he did at Michigan. I see. I this is this is, again. I think we have to. I would love for that to happen. I would love for that Devin Bush to show up again. But I think we're. I, I just I don't think that that player, I mean, it's realistic. I, I just I just don't think that that's who Devin Bush is right now. But if Devin can just be a you know a jag as they say, right, just a guy, I, that's all they're. Oh, here we go, Dn. Yeah, this is what he. Uh, any correlation between the increased playing time for Alavalo and the elevated play for inside linebackers? Let me see how many how many plays did, uh, 
did Alu Alu even play in this game? Because I don't know that it was that many. It was 17 plays for Alu Alu in this one. So he was only on the field for 17 plays. Other there were more than 17 quality reps from Devin and Mark and all those guys. So I think there's probably some correlation there, certainly. But well, and how many reps did Mondo get? Well, and I don't want to say I mean, Mondo didn't even have that bad a game, to be quite honest with you. Um, let's see. Uh, Mondo played 28 reps in this game. But yeah, I mean, there's probably some correlation there. Only 17 reps, though. It's not, it's not a one-to-one. Um, Doc Holliday said Avery turned into another Ingram. I don't know that Avery wanted off. I mean, well, I don't know. Is there a rumor out there that Avery wanted off the team? Remember, Ingram wanted out. Ingram won, Ingram requested a trade and said, I want out of here. You know, he wasn't going to beat out Highsmith, so he wanted out. Did everyone out? Did everyone think he was going to beat Highsmith too? Does every player in the National Football League think they're better than Alex Highsmith? Is that, is that what we're, we're dealing with in Pittsburgh? You, just, you can't bring in a player who doesn't think I can beat out Alex Highsmith. Now, I, I think, like I said before, I think this was this is more about run defense than it was about pass rush. Uh, Doc also says the linebackers are, are so thin. Okay, well, if you're – Depends on if you're talking about edge rusher, the outside linebackers, or um, if you're talking about the edge rushers, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to argue that it, that's not thin. It is, it is very thin there. I don't know that I feel great about Hamilcar or Tusu coming off the bench. I mean, both of them are just fine. I think I, I'm much more – I still want the Steelers to have a nice pass rusher coming off. You know, I mean, I, I'm still – I'm not – I know Tomlin has this whole, like, we're going to be a great run defense team, and so I have to adjust my evaluation there. Because we can all just get on here and say, this guy's a great pass rusher. He's going to make it. This is, and this is actually, this is the mistake that every Steeler media analyst made, which is that we all just assumed, oh, the Steelers want a third edge rusher that can rush the passer. That's what they're looking for. And so we all just kind of pen, penciled, not even penciled. I mean, we're in permanent ink. Avery is making the 53. No doubt about this. Everyone was saying that. I said it, right? But the mistake we made is to not evaluate him more as a, as a run defender first and then look at his pass rush. And so we all just missed the fact that like, oh, right, the Steelers, they want to, they want their uh, edge rushers to be run defenders right now. And again, this is my thesis, but and we'll see if this plays out when they get cut down to the 53. But you know, I think that's where the Steelers are right now. And, and I think if we're going to evaluate this Lions game, like I said before, if we're going to evaluate the edge rushers in this Lions game, I think we need to look at edge rusher first before we look at pass rush when we're saying who's going to make this 53 and who's not, or, or even – you know, whether or not the Steelers feel like they have a, a, a deep room or a thin room. Now, if you're talking about inside linebackers, they are thin. Yeah, they, they are thin. They are thin. Uh, and and the, they're thin because they don't even have a second starter right now. You know, they as as much as we'll say about Spillane and, and Bush in this football game, it's just one game. It's one preseason game. I think there's still – that's still the biggest question mark on this defense. Still, the number one question mark on this defense is who's playing alongside Miles Jack and how good is that player going to be? Because once again, you know, much like we'll talk about the left guard spot, and we'll, we'll do another show probably tomorrow night to preview this Lions game and talk about all the position battles and who can win what, right? Just because you win a position battle doesn't mean you're a good player. You know, oh, Kevin Dotson won the left guard spot, but is Kevin Dotson good? If, if Devin Bush ends up winning this battle, is Devin Bush a good player because he beat out Robert Spillane? If, if Spillane beats out Devin Bush, does that mean Spillane's good? Not necessarily. You know, I liked what I saw from them. Again, I, I think this is something to build on with the linebacking core. 
You want to see this level of consistency into this week. It's a big week. I mean, again, this this is a this is a this is a group that's going to decide the starter against Detroit. That we'll talk about the quarterback, and that battle could be won in this week. I think left guard's probably done. This is the biggest battle on the roster right now. Guard is the is the um, is the biggest that or, or, me, inside linebacker is the biggest battle on the roster. Devin Bush versus Robert Spillane, and you know maybe you throw Mark Robinson in there. It's like maybe. Um. Okay, Doc says I did hear that Avery and Tomlin had a heated discussion about the position. This is an interesting. Okay, interesting. I had not heard this. Um. Yeah, I mean this would make sense too, right? I mean, you know, Tomlin is not going to put up with that, especially from a player like Avery, who at best is going to be the third edge rusher. So if this was an off the field thing, it's an off the field concern. That makes a lot of sense too. Hadn't heard that, but um, yeah, I mean that would that would make a ton of sense. Um, Beast Mode here says Quincy Roche. The rumor is he may not make the Giants 53 because of the new regime. I hope that's what they're watching. Yeah, there's a couple guys that that were so Pro Football Focus wrote that article the other day, um, where they kind of scoured you know the uh, the reports from camp and put together a list of players that were you know surprising cuts they could be. The two guys that really stood out to me on that list, obviously Quincy Roche has to stand out on that list because Quincy Roche was drafted in what the sixth round by the Steelers a year ago. I loved what Quincy Roche did at the senior bowl. I thought he had a good preseason last year. I thought he could have been a player who easily could have made the 53 a year ago. I was kind of surprised that they didn't put him on the 53. I think their plan there was to stash him on the practice squad, but you know, they, they kind of lost out. And what's silly about that is they've done this a couple times now. You know, then they, they did that with Tuzar and clearly they, they like Tuzar, right? I mean, like, you know, the idea with Tuzar wasn't that they cut him because, oh, we just didn't like him. You know, they liked him a lot. They, they brought him back. He, Tuzar Skipper was on the roster this year before he got hurt. So they like Tuzar. They like his skill set. They weren't done with him. But they tried to, you know, they tried to get cute at the, in this 53-man stuff, and they, they pay for that at times, at this position specifically. Um, they did that a year ago with Roche. Yeah, I'm interested to see. Roche would be a player who I'd, I'd like to come back. He played good minutes for the Giants last year, and I, and I liked his skill set coming out. Um, so I, I hope that they can bring him back. The other guy that was on that list that I, I thought was a well, it's not a good player, but uh, I thought it was interesting that Alex Leatherwood was on that list. Now Leatherwood has been in just a massive, massive, massive disappointment coming out. But you know, high pedigree kid, right? Alabama. I think he was a five-star recruit there. He played tackle for them. They moved. They they tried moving him to guard in in Vegas. It, it just has not worked out. Um, so. You know, I don't. I don't know that the Steelers need to bring in another player like that, right? I mean, they they already have a draftee that just you know they moved into multiple. The Steelers already have a guy who they drafted and moved to multiple positions on the offensive line. It just has not worked out at any of them. But I guess you know, for me, it's it's the pedigree of Leatherwood, right? It's the fact that he was a a quality high school recruit, started at Bama. Try to find if there's anything in there that can even again. The Steelers just have this problem at guard right now, where they may have a left guard that just can't. You know, just can't play because, and by the way, I'm not, this is not me trying to, to disc Kevin Dotson and say Dotson's not a good player. Um, I, you know, the problem for Dotson is he can't stay healthy. And so if Dotson doesn't stay healthy and they just have to go up with Kendrick Green by default, no, thank you. No, thank you. All right. Beast Mode says like and subscribe. Indeed. If you're here on YouTube, do me a favor, like the video. And if you're not subscribed to the channel, subscribe as well. Be back here tomorrow to do a preview of the Lions game, talk about all the position battles that will be decided against the Lions. I think there's there are 
There are a lot of battles I think that have been decided. We'll talk about those, but we're also going to talk about QB1. Tomlin says QB1's on the table. Let's see if it really is. I'm excited if it is. Kenny time. Third running back spot, certainly. I mean, RB2 essentially is, is on the line in that game. Is wide receiver six on the line? What happens in this offensive line, especially at left guard? Not only left guard, but just as a depth uh, on, on the roster. Um, who actually makes the roster on the offensive line? How many players do the Steelers have to go out and try to bring in at the end here? Remember, they've already tried to add two. Uh, they've already tried to add two offensive linemen you know, at the end of camp here, just kind of bringing some dudes in like, hey, let's just throw some extra bodies at this and see if we make one stick. Um, I think linebacker is a huge one here. And as I said, corner potentially between uh, Steele and and uh, and Lane. And then watch for that safety spot as well. So we'll talk about all that on tomorrow's show. Thank you all for watching. Like I said, if you're, if you're watching this on YouTube, but you'd rather have this as an audio podcast, you can go wherever you find audio podcasts, search Steeler Country. With Tony Stewart, I'm going to put this video or put this up as an audio podcast as well. And if you're listening to this as an audio podcast and you want to interact with the show, head on over to YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Steeler Country with Tony Serino. You can be with us live here. I do this usually around 5.30, 6 o'clock at night. Uh, you can be a part of the chat, ask your questions here. Thank you all for watching. I'll be back again tomorrow to do a preview of the final preseason game, Steelers-Lions, right here on Steeler Country.